Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Welcome to Skylines, the City Metric podcast. I'm John. As I record this, it's Wednesday afternoon uh, here in the UK. It's a budget day, which is probably slightly less exciting than it sounds. Uh, there's been all sorts of uh, stuff in there for, for Britain's cities, which I will run down very, very quickly for you, because I know that's, that's, that's the good stuff you're really here for, isn't it? So the main message I've taken away from the budget is that those cities which didn't get metro mayors, which you remember the metro mayors, we bang on about them all the time, the cities which didn't get metro mayors have been royally screwed over. Uh, it, there's there's a huge new... Well, not huge. Huge is, <laughs> huge is overstating it. Uh, there is a new £1.7 billion fund called the Transforming Cities Fund, which is going to be spent on local transport outside London. And, and the six city regions, which have metro mayors and devolution deals, all, all automatically get a share of that proportion of their population. They're sharing about half of that fund between them. The cities which didn't get devolution deals... They kind of have to stick the begging bowl out. Like there, there is another half of that fund. There's about 160 million left over, I think. But it's not, it's not at all clear uh, which cities are going to get that or what it's going to be spent on. So you know, basically the point is, you know, Manchester and Liverpool and Birmingham and so on, which have metro mayors, they get guaranteed money. Leeds and Sheffield don't. So maybe not having a mayor is not such a good thing. The other big uh, city metric relevant element of today's budget was the uh, housing commitments, which were, let's not beat around the bush, those were complete rubbish. Uh, a lot of talk of big numbers. The Chancellor is talking about getting house building rates above 300,000 a year by 2022. But that's, I mean, they pulled that, he's pulled that figure out his ass, isn't he? It's like the, the, the set of reforms suggested to actually do that are nowhere near up to the job there's some extra money for like small builders and some a, a few pennies to sort of clean up land and so on they're not touching the green belt they're not doing anything fundamental uh to address the the business model problems which which if you're a regular listener you'll recall we talked about shelter last week there is talk of like in very high demand areas councils are going to be able to borrow more to build housing so that that might be something to watch but the big housing announcement was uh, the abolition of stamp duty for first-time buyers. Stamp duty is an absolutely ridiculous tax, which the buyer pays rather than the vendor, which is, you know, that's that's always seemed crazy to me because, you know, the, surely the, the vendor is the one who's got the cash on hand at that point. But, you know, it's 
It's there, we're kind of used to it, it's a stupid tax. The chance is abolishing it for first-time buyers, which is, you know, great, right? You know, it's a big tax cut for, for younger, poorer people. Except it's, it's not. Firstly, because it only applies to those paying, I think it's, I think it kicks in at 250,000. Double check that for me. But, you know, you have to be buying a pretty expensive property to be paying in the first place. So effectively, you're already reasonably wealthy if you're paying this. You know, you may not be wealthy compared to the people who own the house, but you know, nonetheless, you're not probably not doing too badly in life. The other thing though is, it's not addressing housing affordability. Because the amount of money that people, young people, have to buy homes is going to remain exactly the same. The Office of Budget Responsibility, the government's own budgetary watchdog itself, has said that this is in all likelihood just going to push house prices up. So house prices are not, you know, effectively the amount that your first-time buyers are paying will remain unchanged. It's just that the, the money that would previously have gone to the Treasury of Stamp Duty will now go to the person selling the house. Once again, the Chancellor is introducing a housing policy which is not really about affordable housing at all. It's not about helping more people onto the ladder. It's purely about propping up the housing market. Because if it stops going up and starts going down, that's going to annoy a lot of older, richer voters. And it's going to do untold, unspeakable things to the British economy. So, basically, the whole thing is a, a cluster fudge. But that's that's enough of this. That's enough of me talking about the budget. Um, we're we're going to stop being so, so insular, so provincial. This week we are going to talk about France. Because, you know, it's, it's one of our nearest neighbours. But I really don't know much about how French cities work in either sort of practical terms, you know, how much power does the mayor have, or also sort of in the sort of, what's the sort of social geography of France? How do the cities see each other? How do Parisians see the provincials? You know, how do the provincial cities see Paris? So I decided to invite a couple of uh, young French journalists in my acquaintance to, to tell me about these things. Hi, I'm Marie Le Conte, um, French person on the internet, I suppose, and journalist, mostly. But primarily a French person on the, the internet. Yeah, you could yeah, you could definitely argue that, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pauline Bock. I'm the French person at the New Statesman, I guess. You did just sort of speak French for a bit, which made me worry I was being talked about and mocked in some way behind my back. But I don't think so. I think it was directions. I don't know. I don't really know how to deal with that. <laughs> Uh, is really all I've got here. Um, we did we did oh, talk yeah. about metro stops, actually, when we were speaking French. So, you know, there you go. Okay, cool. So, the reason I thought we should, would be cool to do this, other than, you know, we were having this conversation in the pub, and most of my ideas come from conversations in pubs, was I don't really know that much about how, how, how French cities work. I have this idea that Paris is very nice. It's always very clean. It's not. It smells it's like not, piss. Yeah, it's not nice or clean. Like, wh- which which bit of Paris did you go to? Which I mean, which Paris actually? Which yeah. The the, the bit immediately outside Gare du Nord is not nice no, or clean. It's not That's not kind of although they have made it recently nicer, but not so much with the clean. It's still very much <sighs> not clean. It's not clean. It'll never be clean. I don't okay, think it, well, they. I don't think they can do it. I know, I'm personally part of the anti-Paris brigade as well, so I feel like, you know, maybe I should come out and say, you know, Paris is terrible. Okay, that's a good place to start, because, like, neither of you guys are Parisian, right? You're, no, and yeah. we, we both hate it as well. Yeah, I get really offended when people assume I'm from Paris. Same. In fact, you're, you're, you're sort of un-Parisian in different directions. You're from, like, exact opposite ends yeah, of the country. Yeah, actually, right? we are. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you're from the western coast. Yes, yeah, so I'm from not on the yeah, western coast, which is the <clears throat> best bit of France. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, and I'm from the east, which obviously is not a coast, but a f- um, border with Germany, which makes everyone else, including you, probably think I'm German. <laughs> you do have quite a Germanic name, which probably doesn't help. Yes, but... I know. Yeah. yeah. That's... So, OK, let's let's start with that. What's what's wrong with Paris? Other than the, the distinct smell of urine outside Gare du Nord, um, which is interesting. I would what's... sort of say that... Well, like the reason why I like London is because it's kind of a world unto itself. So obviously it is quite British, but it's very much, you know, it's very cosmopolitan. It's very, it's got a different vibe, which I think you very much feel as a as an immigrant, sort of like going elsewhere in the UK. Whereas I kind of feel like Paris is so Paris, if if, if anything, is more French than other places in France. If that makes sense, yeah, um, it really it's kind of like aggressively French, um, which I just kind of find annoying, and it, it makes it quite intense. I think as a result. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's. I mean, it's 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 also its own world in the in the sense that it's got like nice neighborhoods and all without like identities. Some some also are like mostly um, immigrants and uh, and all that is nice. But you, it yeah, it's aggressive. It's aggressive in the sense that if you're not Parisian, if you don't look Parisian, because that you really can tell. Uh, Parisians will look down on you, and when you. When you come from anywhere else from France, either for like tourism or to 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 move there, you don't realize at first that's how it works. You just assume that it's going to be a city like all the other cities that are just you know cities when you can be yourself. This one is a lot about being also, Parisian, and I do think as well. Actually, talk about the geography of it quite quickly is the fact that Paris is actually tiny, and because it's got that you know it's got the walls basically around it, it's intramuros and whatever. So yeah. I think. Paris could not grow in the way London did, so I think that's why you've got so many people piled up in the tiniest of spaces, which is why you've got that sense of like it's really intense, and you know you can't really escape from people at all. But, and but the, traffic the, is horrible as well. But the Paris inside Le Périphérique is not like the whole of. I mean, it's it's official Paris, right? But like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff outside. It does that. Not, I mean, does that. But is that not like just not like Paris. being in zone three or something in no, London? No, yes and no, because I feel like in London you can very much live in sort of like, I think you could probably reasonably push it to zone four or five and still say, I live in London. In Paris, if you leave those walls, like if you leave Intramuros, you don't live in Paris. And it's not the postal code, it's not, it's not Paris anymore. So, yeah, it's so either you're in or you're out, there's no blurred... Like, but there are bits that are like, I mean, there's places on the metro outside, there's like, I mean, like... It's La Défense is not technically in Paris. I was in a place called uh, Ponton, which I've been mispronouncing all along, but just to the northeast, which is Ponton. Ponton, Ponton. It's it's northeast. If you keep walking along the Canal de Saint Martin. Oh no, that's not which, La Défense. No, no, Ponton, that's no, no. I'm saying it's, it's also not in Paris. Oh, right, but that yeah, felt yes. quite. It, yeah, it, it does. It felt like sort of Shoreditch Dorstany. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it definitely looks like Paris. It's just not officially Paris anymore. But it's it's also starting to like expand, as in like Intramuros oh. doesn't really make sense anymore now that like as you said the metro's going like far in the suburbs, and that there's got the we've got the RER, which would be I guess like a mix of the overground Tenslink with or the yeah, But mm. so these are old, but they were supposed to bring in the suburban people, so they were not. They're not considered Persians, but it feels like it feels like a harder border in Paris. Is the point? It, it feels really like you're does, either in. Yeah. Whereas, like London, like we've talked about this in the podcast before, London it's actually quite difficult to determine yeah. where it stops mm. because I did technically grow up in London, but no one in proper London thinks I did. Mm. But it's still on the tube. It's still zone six and so on. But it's still it, you can, it kind of fades out like that. Whereas Paris is just like here is the line. Yes, and and, and, if, if, and I say like psychologically and socially as well because I think that a friend of mine moved to uh, is it Vichy, the neighbourhood. Um, um, that's same. I think it's literally like three metro stops Ivry? after 
uh, no, it's not. Anyway, I can't remember where yeah. it was, but she moved to like a bit sort of, you know, and that was literally three metro stops after sort of, you know, like the end of Entremuros. And generally, just trying to get anyone to go to her house, because that's where I used to stay when I go to Paris, was impossible. And it was generally sort of like a 20 minute metro ride from most of the places where like all our, all our friends lived. But they were like, <gasps> you know, we have to go all the way, uh, all the way there. And it's like, Jesus Christ, it takes me probably more time to walk from my end of Peckham to the other end of Peckham. Um, then it would like take you to just come you know, like slightly sort of go over the border. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's a point when like when you're close to the border, even because I used to I used to live in Guimauque, which is really close to the border with Saint Denis and like Anières Gennevilliers. And even at that point, which is still Paris and officially still Paris and close to Montmartre and everything, people are already like it's too far away. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. So is is the point here just that Parisians are a massive pain in the arse? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Like... No, no, exactly, yeah. I mean, I was kind of curious <laughs> about the thing you said about, like, Paris being aggressively French, in a way. Like, actually, this is the most aggressively English or British bits of London are the bits you never go to. It's That's like, true. you know, all the sort of touristy bits, which if you actually live here, until they sort of pop up in like the background of Paddington or whatever, you kind of forget they exist. Whereas like Paris, it kind of feels like Paris is those places because it all mm. looks like that. So is, it, is, is that the point that it's kind of like, it's sort of a movie representation of itself almost? You could argue that that's the it's the same for Britishness actually because you if you'd ask a tourist they'd they'd say that like the most British part of London is like Buckingham Palace or like the very obvious British things everyone knows in the world and it's the same with Paris like I feel you could say that Paris is the most French city that exists but then you'd be thinking about a French thing is like wearing a beret and like eating baguette and it's it's still a cliche in in the sense so, like. Paris is very cliche French, but if you go anywhere else, it's the actual French, is in just, mm. you know. I mean, I don't even know how to describe that, just not Paris. Mm. But I think it's also Paris, I do think, has that weird, so like Parisians at least have this kind of like self mythology as well, both on an international and a national level. So, you know, like when you just look at the amount of books that have been published of, you know, eat like a Parisian woman, dress like a Parisian woman. And these are books for a French audience as well. And I think that you would not really see something like that in London. And if anything, I think there'd be quite a backlash of saying, hello, you know, provincials, here is how to dress like a London woman, like, you know, a proper person. That that there would be, you know, obviously, like, I think that that would turn into a bit of a scandal, whereas in France that's kind of accepted. Yeah, no, a thing I I thought a while back is I, I went on, like, a boat tour up the Seine and I was there as a tourist many years ago. And it had this, did one of those voiceovers that kind of cycles through like three or four languages. And it was so pompous. It's like, you know, this is the grandest palace on the river. It was built in 16, you know, it was like, you know, properly sort of, you know, it's the most beautiful sight you will see today, that kind of. Whereas like, I went on the London equivalent and it's some cockney geezer making stuff up <laughs> and cracking jokes for the tourists. It's like, it just feels like a very different attitude to, to what a city thinks of itself. Yeah, that's, mm. that's the best def- definition of Parisians. They take themselves <laughs> very seriously. It's, yeah, because I remember actually, um, cause I grew up in Nantes, which is, I think, around sort of like a half, between, so half a million people. And then if you count the suburbs, it's about a million. So it's, it's quite big. I think it's the sixth city in France. I remember when my mum used to work in a dentist office and she came home one day really angry and she was like, oh God, like, so I've got this, you know, so like client who comes in quite often. Um, and that's when we had a chat and I asked him, I was like, you know, so like, what work she brings you to, to Nantes? Because you'd mentioned being Parisian. And he was like, oh, you know, I just really wanted to retire in the countryside. Um, and so it's a half, like half a million people. That's not the countryside. And he lived in the city as well. So I think it's that kind of spirit. Oh my um, God. I come from a town of like 20,000 people, which I would still not consider 
countryside because everything that surrounds it really is countryside. This is insulting to like literally Ooh. anyone who's not Persian. So, this is what we've had to grow up with. So hence the like de-bitterness. Yeah. So <laughs> even when you move there, you can never really be Persian. You can pretend to be, which Ooh. is a lot worse. I, I kind of think that's that feels like another difference because like you can be a Londoner from anywhere in the same way I think you can be a New Yorker from anywhere. It's it's a city of like having said that I grew up in a place that proper Londoners don't really consider London. Like most people who live here think I do come from London because I came from somewhere you have to tube and so on. Hmm. It's like by by the standards of, of people who live in inner London, I was always here because so many people sort of adopt it as their home. Is that not does that not really apply? It doesn't really. You can become a like Persian expat. Like you can be an American who lives in Paris and who like embraces Paris and Frenchness in a way that no French people would ever do and that would still be accepted like you'd still be part of Paris but you'd never be Parisian. Does that make any sense? Yeah, you know, and I completely agree as well because I do think that being Parisian as we as we've sort of talked about is very much about having quite a, like, a strong identity, a sense of identity. And, and I feel like what I quite like well. about being a Londoner is, again, I mean, as, as you touched upon, is that, that you can basically come from anywhere in the world, and as long as, you know, maybe you've spent a few years here, and you've kind of, you know, like, got used to all the, like, city customs, and you call yourself a Londoner, then people, I find, will accept that. Obviously, there's, you know, I think, debate to be had about how that changes with, like, race and class and everything, but broadly speaking, I think it's a lot easier to become a Londoner than it is to become a Parisian. It is, yeah. So what does the rest of the country think of Paris then? Like, hate it. Yeah, no, we all hate it. But, it, but, yeah. is it, but it is in the same way that, like, you know, the rest of this country hates London as well, mm. yeah, which has become painfully same. clear the last couple of years. But I mean, is it is it the same phenomenon, or is there something else to it? It's the same hate towards the capital, I'd say, because it's all it's also where everything is. It's all where like all the jobs mm. are, all the power is, all the rich people who. I mean, not all of them, but most of them will, like, live in Paris or at least have, like, have a pied-à-terre in Paris, all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's definitely the same kind of elite from Paris. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I don't know, because I feel like, and I know that, you know, geographically, like, France is just bigger than the UK, but I, I, I don't know, I kind of think that you can very much, 
I know, like, for example, because that's a conversation I had with French friends quite recently. I mean, sort of like French, French, French acquaintances who are a kind of like youngish, sort of like mid thirties, slightly yuppie, artsy couple who come from Lyon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, oh, you know, like, like never moved to Paris. I didn't think of doing it. They've got this small kid, whatever. Um, and they're actually, funny enough, like thinking of moving and they're kind of trying to decide between Nantes and Bordeaux. Um, which I thought was really interesting for people who are kind of like, broadly speaking, people like us, or like middle class, like really sort of like artsy, media people. Um, and it did not, you know, they, they, the fact that A, they have choice, like, of several big cities they could move from and actually still have careers there, but also that, you know, they have no desire whatsoever to move to Paris, so that's not even an option they've considered. And I feel like in the UK, you'd rarely see someone saying, I don't know, like, let's say someone who works in the media, were, like, living in Bristol and being like, oh, I kind of fancy a change, like, where should I go? Like, Manchester, like, whole Liverpool, I think that, maybe that's because I live in London, I didn't see that, but, that feels to me like it's a less likely thing that people would say because London is, I think, even more overwhelming as a capital than Paris is. Does oh, that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it definitely is. Sorry, that, f- that was a bit ranty, but um, no, there was a point in there. there was, <laughs> I, d- I did hear some stats earlier that something insane, like 40% of graduates from top universities move straight to London. Yeah, because that's where the graduate forms. career paths are. Because if you want to work in finance or the media or or even a lot of the science stuff is in, in, is in unless you're attached to a university, all this all these opportunities are in London. They're not in the rest of the country, yeah, which true. is why everyone hates us. And also, actually, so to, to finish on that, I think what I found really interesting is looking at people I went to high school with in not. And a lot of them moved to Paris to do their studies because obviously, like most of the best universities are in Paris. But actually, gradually. I've seen quite a lot of them move back to other cities, either like our hometown or like somewhere else. That like, you know, this could be like do their studies in Paris, maybe do a few years there, and then actually move back, or like, at least move outside of Paris, which I've not really seen happen um, in the UK to the same extent. Yeah, there's also the problem of like uh, like London, but in, on um, a small scale, there's the problem of like housing and just everything's just so expensive that I mean, you mentioned your friends who have a child. I guess it's also may also not have been an option because like Paris just expensive and you get something that's so small but but yeah in general I see the same with my friends like I befriended a lot of people when I went to uni in Paris and even the ones who are from Paris or around Paris are now now considering just moving to another city like Strasbourg for example it's got a lot of postgraduate schools like there's a lot of post-uni things and studies or just jobs are not necessarily in Paris or or like research. So, in terms of how French cities work, are there mayors? How how much how much power does the average French commune have over its own destiny? A lot. Yeah, I'd yeah. say a lot. Like, I'm Everyone's not an expert, got a mayor. But... Every mm. single village has a mayor everywhere. But are they and there's all... even a mayor's association, which is really like politically powerful. <laughs> I didn't know that. Which, did you, know, you can cut this bit. You know why I know this, and I've taken a keen interest in the association of mayors. No, I want. Do you know who the president is? Oh no, no, what's his name again? Is this your random Uh, crush? It is. François Baron. François Baron. Yeah. I feel I should tell you I'm definitely not going to cut that bit. Okay, fine. (laughs) Um, But yes, no, no, so there's an association which is actually really powerful politically. What? Um, An association of mayors uh, of the towns of France. Are they they all elected? Sorry? So what does he do? I'm not sure. I don't know. (laughs) He's just a nice face. Well, yeah. (laughs) So all these guys elected is it all like direct elections in every in every town yeah um it and it's also it's 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 everywhere at the same time now it it didn't always used to be but now it's with um yeah mayoral elections are last ones i think were in 2014 
I'm just jealous of, like, imagine having that many mayoral elections to cover. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, but also I mean, for, it's a nightmare. For, for me, specifically, not for anyone else. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But like, how, so how much power do these guys have? I mean, are they more, like, do, can they actually sort of reshape a city in a way? I do think they, they can. can. Obviously, yeah. that's, um, and again, that's kind of more my experience as a former resident of Nantes as opposed to, like, someone who writes about politics because I don't actually know that much about the actual side of stuff, but... What I always found in my hometown is the fact that, so we had uh, Jean-Marc Guerrois as mayor, who was briefly the prime yes. minister, Guerrois. Yes. Um, he's really nice. I met him as a child and terrified him. Weird story involving you stilts. You terrified him? Um, yeah. Whoa. I was I was on stilts. Uh, it's, a, it's a long story. <laughs> okay. Anyway. And, you know, and I feel obviously like the history of Nantes is that it's always been historically quite a rich place. Partly because of um, the slave trade, which is not ideal, uh, but then just in general, so like a wealthy place, but it's also always been left wing. So our mayors have always been left wing. And so as a result, see, we've got this place which punches way above its weight in terms of like the art scene, culture and everything. And I think that does very much come from the fact that budgets and stuff like there's a lot more devolution than there is in the UK. So not was always able to go like, hey. We're quite rich. We like random artsy stuff. We're just going to spend a lot of money on that in the way that other cities didn't necessarily do. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't really know much about Nantes, but it, I, I do know it's kind of like defined itself as this kind of like Breton cultural capital, right? Is it Breton? It's not, whoa, it's not, whoa, don't say that, don't whoa. say that again. We're not from Brittany. Is that, I mean, it's kind of, isn't it? Isn't it? So it used to be the capital of Brittany ages ago, and then it wasn't. No, I don't, we don't want to so be like, part of Brittany. They don't want us because then Rennes would get angry. We are not like Pays de la Loire. <laughs> Jesus. It's just, I don't really hold with the post-revolutionary boundaries, to be honest. I'm kind of much more into the, the original provinces. Right. They've all got silly names, like Nord Pas de Calais. It's just like, you know. Oh, yeah, like, no, just but like, well, we'll France just give now. it two names and stick a dash yeah, between it's, them. Yeah, it's Eau like, de France now. Which even, it's, it's just like, like Higher France? Like, yeah, Highs of France. The Highs of, yeah. yeah. I'm not even sure how you translate that. I don't know, yeah. High levels, that makes no sense. Mm. If Nantes is culture and it's definitely not Breton, what what are the other major cities? Like, what do they, re- like, when they say, I don't know, Bordeaux, what do you think of when they say okay, Bordeaux? Okay, let's try by like... Uh, okay, Bordeaux, what do I think? Uh, I think there's a lot of students, it's a very student-y place. It's really nice as well, and it's quite rich as well. Everything mm. on the coast is quite rich. Okay. I'm sure think I don't know a lot about Bordeaux. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll do. Okay, we'll do let's, a bunch let's move on the coast like, from there. Like so after that, there's Toulouse, mm. and then you've got Marseille, which is basically yeah, a world Marseille, unto Marseille is the second, what, second biggest one. I and love then, Marseille. I've been like half a dozen times. It's I've really properly fallen. It's just like it's. Not, not, not even Marseille itself. I think I just really like the south of France and the fact you get a nice climate somewhere that I can get on the train from London straight to the Mediterranean. I think that's really what I'm saying here. I do like Marseille, but it's mostly that there's a train that goes from very near my house that takes me to the Mediterranean. It's very that annoying, I like though, because I cannot get back home from on the train because no one in the UK wants to visit the east of France. Like, I mean, no, no one in France wants to visit yeah, the east okay. of France. True. Although, I think historically German armies have been quite keen, so... They have. We don't tend to like these, but yeah. Mm. No, uh, Strasbourg is really nice. It's also quite a big city. And Lille? Yeah, so Lille is quite like the... Lille is quite I think it's trying to it? sell itself as the, yeah, kind of like post-industrial, yeah, but now like yeah. tech, like whatever, the city of the future. I think that's kind of how it's trying to market itself now. And then um, what... What about what Lyon? What is, what's Lyon known for? Lyon's really... Uh, it's quite nice. I think it's all right. Yeah, yeah it's uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a lot to say about it's, Lyon. Like, okay. it's, uh, it's where Saint-Exupéry is from. The oh, guy yeah. who wrote The Little Prince. So oh. you've got, like, little princes everywhere there. But yeah, no, nothing much. I mean, it's 
it's quite big in like the arts as well. Mm. And I see it as like an, an option to where people would move. Mm. A lot of the time, they're like m- my friends, for example, either are like in Strasbourg or in Lyon because mm. it's quite close and and quite big. But at the same time, it's not as expensive as Paris, and it's not Paris, which. But something that seems to be a pattern here is like all these cities that we're naming. You guys are saying, "Oh, yes, it's quite nice." It's like, like whereas, like you go through a list of the the twenty biggest British cities, and most people are going to go like, "That one's that one's poor. That one's a bit depressed. That one's a mess. That one's really dirty." Is that like it, it feels? Has, has the wealth been more successfully spread in France, or yeah. is it just the, Brit, um, the British the terrible snobs so, about each other? Yes and no. I think it's been spread in a better way across cities. But I think there's going to be a lot of inequality between cities and sort of like smaller towns and the countryside. Yeah, um, definitely. I and also from different regions. Like we were talking mm. about Les Hauts de France, which mm. is north of France, which is where Lille is, and um, and the east where I'm from. Like both are quite like post-industrial and therefore quite poor because nothing mm. really happened after the mines and like the like the coal industry. Whereas the coast is still like very rich and like south of France obviously has all the tourism. So it's mm. still it's. It's not exactly balanced, but in between cities... And then the middle bit as well. Yeah. I, 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 I am yet to find out what's in the middle of France. Uh, like, it's the yeah. hills on Clermont-Ferrand, but yeah. it's quite small, and there's really nothing to do there. But it's, it's is, nice. Is, I mean, if you like hiking, it's great. Is Limoges in the middle? I it can is. never remember where Limoges is. It's yeah. north of Clermont, I think. I don't really know where Clermont is, so this is okay, not really Okay, Clermont is like literally, if you, if you come from Paris and you go south, it's literally just like okay. in the middle. Cool. And yeah, it's actually the middle. I think. But yeah, so that bit is just is just awful. The middle bit, like, you could just get <laughs> all in front, like, and, like no one bit. would miss it. Sorry, There's lots of like mountains and stuff. I mean, it's it's not where you go are to like. Rubbish, though. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. cities are far better. But like the standard thing in most in most developed countries, like cities will be the richest, most productive bits. Um, Britain or England specifically is weird in that it's not like that and actually outside like London and Bristol and some of the smaller ones the cities are kind of less productive and poorer than the area around them and that's kind of unusual so it just sounds like France is kind of fitting the the, the standard model a bit better here yeah the the fact that we say they're all really nice as well is because they're all from quite different places and therefore look very different Mm. like yeah, one is is, is in Brittany, great. which is like obviously very like coastal and and maritime, and and then you go to Strasbourg, which is like in Alsace and has like this German vibe. You like you go to Paris, which is looks very pretty and is like almost a museum, and then you go to Rennes, which like or Brest, which feels a lot more like maritime. <laughs> Brest. <laughs> oh my god! You've clearly been here too long if you started finding that funny. I like... know. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so it, they all look very different and they've got very different climates. So you just, yeah, if you're from one one place in France, you'd like the other bits because they don't look like where you're from Ooh. as well. So I really like France. It's like, it's kind of got, it sounds like the economy's doing, but it's more evenly spread than here. You've got more opportunities. You've got, as I understand it, less of a housing crisis. Just slightly. You've got better, you've got better options when it comes to like climate and stuff. Why, why are you guys here? Like, it, I seriously don't remember. I'm I'm asking myself this question right now. Okay, well that's, that's uh, cheerful. Okay. Right. I, I I mean on on a slightly um, nicer note, I don't know. It's just, I think my issue is that I always wanted to be a journalist, and you know, and sort of like properly, sort of like go for it and try and work for national papers and stuff. And that would have required me moving to Paris. And again, you know, I don't know if like that really came across um, earlier, but I really don't like Paris. 
Um, so yeah, London kind of felt like the second best option. Um, and also, and I think that's a different topic, maybe for a different time, I don't know. But um, but I do think that, you know, I kind of had this image as well of the UK. Because I, I sort of, you know, grew up like, you know, on like on MySpace and doing like all the like indie music years. And so I kind of thought that London was mostly just sort of like Pete Doherty and like Carl Bratt and whatever. And like, you know, people getting drunk and wearing those like red, um, you know, like military jackets and stuff. Um, which it's not quite that it turns out but you know I mean I, I spend most of the noughties doing that obviously so mm. that was very much my thing and a slightly less depressing note I also am here for like job related reasons and because London was like in all my favourite fictions all my favourite books and my favourite mm. like films like it it feels like both the UK and London were like this dreamed version of like a city that was dynamic and modern and great and it's, and still is I mean it, it's very much what what we found. Mm. I think that's why oh, we're yeah. still here. And I do think that you can. You're definitely more free to be. I mean, I don't know that that's going to sound really sort of like I don't know. But um, I do really feel like you have more freedom to be the kind of person you want to be in London as opposed to Paris or anywhere else in France. Yes. And again, that's more of a sort of like cultural thing. But I do think that. Yeah, in London, you know, I feel like there's so many things, even just small things like outfits I've worn or like colours like you know I've dyed my hair or like whatever. You know, stuff that I've done in London, especially when I was younger and a bit more of an idiot, um, which I never could have done in, in France. So I feel like, you know, got that out of my system. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to ask you what they are when we stop recording, but not now. Mm. We'll leave that onto the imagination. Okay, um, just one more question. So was, was, was the um, wide variety of bins an option in London uh, a factor here? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's just because before we started this podcast, I was uh, wondering where I could say, and I, and I remember that whenever I am trying to be a guide to someone visiting in london we cannot find any bin bins <laughs> are nowhere to be found and maybe it's just central london but it drives me mad i've it's, actually noticed that before as well and, and it, it's yeah. it's not the same anywhere even in paris and and anywhere else any other city you'd find you have bins anywhere because maybe just because we don't pay people to like get the rubbish from the street as often as you guys but no we- i think i can actually explain this it was um it was the ira Oh right! Oh. Like yeah, they that did makes sense. when I was very young. They still had bins and tube stations, and they took them all out okay. during the early nineties when there was a run of. Because like this is something that gets forgotten now is that like there used to be a point where like London would get bombed about like three or four times a year, and very few of them ever killed anyone, oh. and they would always sort of ring in with warnings. But generally speaking, like a bomb would go off at some point. Like I had a near miss when I was like ten. And, like, the place I was with my mother and friends of the family got blown up later that night. But, like, this just used to happen all the time. So it was a security measure. And I suspect, like, the onset of austerity hasn't helped where they just kind of, like, yeah, we don't need bins. We don't need street cleaners. We can, like, you know, but everyone loves Paris. Paris is really dirty and smelly. Why can't we be like that? And and still, and yet we we do have bins in Paris. It's just disgusting anyway. (laughs) So, so, okay, last question. Why, Why does Paris smell of urine? No one knows. Yeah, no, I think that that's one of the big, big secrets. They wash it's, it quite a lot, don't yeah, they? There's a whole they thing really where they do. clean the streets. And yeah, the stench is just like, when you get onto the metro, that stench. And there's mm. a bit at Saint-Lazare. Mm. I've, like, come to literally do everything I can to avoid it, but I cannot. It's when you it's when you change from, like, basically any line to the 13th, mm. which I guess you should avoid to start with, but I lived yeah. on it, so I had no choice. And it just, whatever you do, it just stinks like bits. You, there's nothing you can do. I was just, I think I got a lot better, like, um, just taking my, like, keeping my breath. Just because I would literally walk, like, all throughout this corridor without breathing. Because it was the only way to go through. 
Paris is the most beautiful city in the world. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Go to Aix-en-Provence. Go to Brittany. Go to, I don't know, wherever else. Mm. You'll find something better. We'll see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.